0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Sabi Sema Era podcast here on SpideyDude.com, powered by the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Before we get started, we got to thank our friends over at Patreon.com slash Network. Finkman, Scott, Greg, Kale, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, Catherine, Kigar, Laura, Master Drammon, Ed Reynolds, Allison Farquhar, Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa, thank you guys for your support over on patreoncom Network. What do you get if you're over there on Patreon? Well, you're going to get some exclusive podcasts with the Spidey Experience. Going to get the exclusive books of X podcasts, as well as the video version of Voices from the Area, Gargoyles podcast. That is going to be the home for all the all the video episodes of that particular show moving forward. So if you haven't checked it out, go over there, become a five dollar patron and up, and you get to have access to the full Patreon page. But if you just want to support us and give us a buck, we got $1, $5, $15, and $25 tiers. The higher the the higher the tiers, the more perks you get. So check us out over on patreon.com slash Network. And be sure to join our Discord. Go over to spideydashdude.com, click the Discord link at the top of the page, and it will take you to our Discord. Join us where we uh, have discussions, and every single show has its own spot on our Discord. So thanks for listening and we will see you on the next episode.
1: Welcome to the... Spectacular Sal Buscema-era podcast where we talk about all the issues in the spectacular Spider-Man line that Sal Buscema happened to draw. We're not including the Incredible Hulk, Captain America, Avengers, or any other title that he did, unfortunately. Uh, an email asked about that. That would be great. That would be a great segue. And Like, okay, now we're going to do Incredible Hulk. Now we're going to do Captain America. Don't have time, unfortunately, to uh, continue the podcast past uh, the beginning of the Clone Saga, which is where this podcast will end. But we are far away from there. As we are covering today uh a comic book i didn't even realize it was being published twice a month because it says mid-november Spectacular spider-man issue 157 which features the return of electro because uh, he was in our first story or at least our second episode but our first story of sal's run which uh, involved the sin eater if you remember so this was published again mid-November 1989. Editor-in-Chief was Tom DeFalco. Cover artist and penciler was Sal Basema. uh Writer was Gary Conway, uh, and so he returned to the book. Uh, inker was Mike Esposito. Colorist Bill Sh- Bob Sharon. Letterer Rick Parker. Editor Jim Scalrup. I actually was able to reach out to uh, Bob Sharon, and he was interested in coming on the show, and then he is not interested in coming on the show. It happens. Yeah, a little weird. Uh, his return to it afterwards—he he went off to do something and then came back and was just like, "No," I was like, "Oh, okay." And then he gave me an explanation, which I won't repeat on the air. So it was just really weird. Let's just say it
2: was—it was odd, but it was somehow oddly valid. So we, we we thank him for considering. Yeah. But but it's a sad thing because it would have been great having him. But you know we'll
1: we'll try for some others. Yeah, right. we'll we'll hopefully try for some others. So, uh, all right. So, beginning of the storyline, the villain Electro is heading towards the second savings bank. I don't know what the difference is between the two banks, we'll get into it. Um right. and an earthquake happens to anger Electro because he had just bought blueprints from a high-ranking bad guy uh broker for the blueprints to this bank and somebody else happened to be there. Over in Peter's personal life, Jameson has revealed that Thomas Fireheart, a.k.a. the Puma, is now the new owner of the Daily Bugle, and Jonah Jameson is stepping down. Over to Amish country... Uh, Robbie's story continues, in the previous episode I said it ended, but it continues as him and Tombstone are now part of the Amish community. Electro goes to confront the broker who sold him the plans and is pissed that there is someone else involved in this heist. Peter, MJ, Flash, Harry, Liz are all having a night together to relax and be merry before the events of... Many things probably rip their entire lives apart. And Peter goes to investigate the blackout, saying he's going to go get some candles, but he's actually going to go investigate it as Spider-Man. Electro is still pissed that someone else keeps uh coming in on his heists while Robbie is dealing with Tombstone. The two of them fight it out. We eventually learn the mystery man on the cover is the Shocker. Uh, Who is a lame Spider-Man villain But it was cool to see him in the Spider-Man movie Spider-Man defeats him and Electro And realizes he gave up a great dinner date For this stupidity Robbie fights Tombstone And stabs him in the chest Which we think probably kills Tombstone But Robbie gets a revelation that He needs to stop running from his problems And return to New York uh, Spider-Man shows up back up at Harry and Liz's apartment Without the candles, but Mary Jane still loves him because she knows what he was possibly doing in the meantime. And Tombstone makes his way back to Long Island to the home of the Chameleon and Hammerhead, who are roommates now, to continue working for them. And they say that it's a tale for another time. That as far as I can remember, almost never happens until Dan Slott took over the uh, not Dan Slott, uh Nick Spencer took over the book. What do you think of the cover, especially with the mystery man?
2: Well, I mean, I liked it. I thought it harkened back to a little bit of the earlier kind of age, because that's something I feel like they used to do in the 60s and the 70s when they revealed a new character. So to me, it was a little bit something old, a little bit something new, which I definitely feel categorizes Spencer's run. Right now, you know, um, a lot of homages to the past, but with new twists for to make the story seem fresh for newer audiences, which I liked. Um... There were certain things in this I did like, but I, I have to admit, Chris, some part of me felt a little bored while I was reading it because it's just like, I'm so used to the the the, the multi-arc storyline that Jerry Conway really did the last, I would say, I don't know, 10, 12, I don't know how many issues we have been covering the other. But, you know, and this one it was just a straightforward fight between him and Electro, and Electro says, oh my God, who keeps ripping me off? And then you have, it is me, the Shocker, and I was like, yo, who let crazy quote in here? You know? <laughs> crazy <quote. laughs> Um And it's just. And then I, I think for me, this goes down as one of the dumbest excuses Peter has ever made to go play Spider Man. It just. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to get the candles. <laughs> Where are the candles? And he tells it and I was like, okay, really? But I mean, don't me wrong, it was still good. I just also found it amusing that <laughs> you have Robbie and Tombstone fighting an Amish country. Yeah, like that.
1: That just has now gone on way too long. It's like keep Robbie in prison and forget about him for a while, you know, and then come back to him maybe in like 10 issues. It would have been yeah. so much better. I, I just, I, I don't, the Robbie Tombstone plotline has overrun its course, especially because of the fact the whole Robbie going to prison thing is the dumbest
2: thing ever. 100%. And, and I, it was one of those things where it's, it's, it's something very simple that gets, like, if it was a CW series, it would have been drawn out for at least ten episodes. I was like, this is two. Max. Like, the, the, the lesson is very clear. You you don't run away from your problems because they'll catch up to you, but it's the dumbest thing ever. And I was just like, oh my god. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the, the cake is still Mary Jane's cousin, Christy, which I don't recall we saw in this issue. Um. And if we did, we did not see her much. So I was like, okay, great.
1: No, Jerry Conway didn't care about her, so he didn't want to write her.
2: There you go. See you so, Perfect. <laughs>
1: also, perfect. Jerry Conway and Nick Spencer went to the same school of continuity. Do you notice the amount of continuity mentions in this story?
2: Well, you know, honestly, yes. And it's really refreshing because, again, you get a, real, a sense of real time and that it's all part of the same universe versus how some things are just so disjointed that you have no idea how certain things happening it's like well did this person break their leg last? why wouldn't they it's just you know the the passage of time and and the references are all great and the books being that that jerry conway wrote was writing kind of two books at the same time it helped
1: you right know what i mean and do you do you know what jonah is talking about when he says ben urich almost died working a story for this paper do you know what story that happened to be
2: I want to say it's a daredevil thing, but It I is really... a daredevil
1: thing. You Rich was almost killed by the assassin Daredevil slept with, Elektra.
2: Okay, thank you. Yep.
1: Yeah. And Peter Parker has been taking pictures for the Daily Bugle since Amazing Spider-Man number 2, volume 1, 1963. And it was the Vulture. He was trying to get pictures of to sell to Jameson to help right. pay for the pay the mortgage with Aunt May cuz Aunt May was just, Aunt May just can't work, I guess, until more recent writers are like, Aunt May is old, but she can still work. So let's put her in a position where she can support herself. Stop making it relying on Peter. And eventually, of course, they came up with the whole plot line, which has been mentioned here in the book several times. And they mentioned it once again, the boarding house that Aunt May would open up with Nathan Labinsky. Peter mm. and Mary Jane have moved out of, finally, in, in other stories Um, And they're now living in the loft above um, Harry and Liz, which will be a big problem for them in about 20 issues. Always. Yes, because Harry will um, succumb to problems and become the Demon Kindred. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, speaking of which, I have right behind me Amazing Spider-Man number... Nope, uh, oh, nope, oh, oh, there it is. Amazing Spider-Man Legacy 872, where Kindred is holding Spider-Man in the palm of his hands. So oh it's relevant to bring that up. Um, but uh, by the time we get around to the Goblin story returning with Harry, Kindred will be long over and Ben Riley will be Spider-Man once again. Uh- <laughs> there you go. Uh, Puma now becomes a, per- a permanent character in this book for quite some time and there are two, two amazing Puma stories coming up soon. Uh, One's a two-parter and one's a three-parter involving Black Crow, I think is his name. Yeah, I think so. And it's honestly next to the horror stuff I love about Sal's draw- artwork. The Best artwork in this book by Sal is coming up with Puma. We'll get it. Oh. We'll get there when we get there.
2: Oh, of course. Yes. Oh, that's
1: good. Um, I don't know who this character is uh, that Electro is getting the blueprints from, other than the fact that he works for Hammerhead, I guess. It,
2: it, it's I would say it's probably just another one of those throwaway characters, like the arranger. I was like, you are not going to live.
1: The Ranger yeah.
2: at least lasted quite some time. Which is surprising considering, again, he has no superpowers whatsoever.
1: Correct. This is also so. appears to be, like, um, th- from the way he sits behind that desk, he he appears to be, like, the Monopoly man. Like, I don't think the Monopoly man is, like, um, you know, like a little person, you know, like Peter Dinklage, but just mm-hmm. a little bit taller. You know what I mean? Really? He's not just a dwarf. He's he's just a little bit bigger.
0: Just a little bit taller. Just a yes. little
1: bit. So this is the first appearance of the Shocker in the book. Um... He has – has the Shocker
2: been around since the Ditko era? I mean, he's got that Ditko kind of uh, design or feel, but I'm not sure. Let me look that up.
1: Yeah, I'm looking it up myself. Uh, I'm on the Marvel fandom website, which is a great website to point out continuity stuff that we might miss. Uh, mm-hmm. Shocker, here he is. Okay, bringing it up is Peter Russo. No,
2: it's the Ramita Senior. Era. Yes,
1: yes, Amazing Spider-Man number forty-six, and then he was uh, eventually in. Uh, I think he, I think his first appearance in uh, live action was in a uh, Spider-Man um, Homecoming. Correct.
2: It was, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had been in like a lot of you know the animated series, Spectacular Spider-Man, and such. But, um, yeah, that was his first one, and how they did that was fantastic., um, I have to really give credit.
1: one of the best uses of the shocker ever, and I can't remember if this happened in the secret wars Battle World miniseries or in the actual Spider Island storyline, but the shocker ended up getting six arms and had like six of the elect, you know the the shocker blast things, and he mm. actually for the first time ever looked threatening. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, no, that was Spider-Island. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he had the six arms Uh and blasts on each one. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is cool and funny. But, I mean, for me, the the best use of the Shocker was always in the Ultimate Spider-Man, how he was just a perpetual joke.
1: Oh, yeah. But also, if you ever read The Deadliest Foes of Spider-Man... Of Course, the third volume has Spider Man laid out on the ground with the shocker saying, Shocker Triumphant. And in that issue, he actually finally did defeat Spider Man. Spider Man did not get up off the ground, uh, until the following issue. And when the beetle was like, Hey, I'm gonna murder Spider Man now, <laughs> hmm. and like, You coward, you already killed somebody in this series, which would set up a big plot line over in Thunderbolts when you found redemption all of a sudden. <laughs> there you go. ridiculous. Um, Herman Schultz is his uh, shocker's actual yeah. real name. Um, I'm trying to find yep. the actor who played him in the, uh, the MCU, uh, which, uh, Michael Keaton was like the shocker, He's shocking people. And then he ends up killing. He's like, look, you're the shocker now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was great. Like what a great way to kind of change it up. I mean, but you know, but we could talk about how great that movie handled its villains. I mean, they had so many, but everybody had their time to shine and nobody felt underused and it was great. Right. You know?
1: No. Uh, Which is also funny. I want to point out that both the Shocker and Electro are uh, Caucasian in the comic books and are being portrayed by African-American actors in the uh, live-action whatever. Yeah, because Amazing Spider-Man 2, the worst Electro in the history of ever. I'm sorry. Just uh, – you're the Riddler with electric powers. Sorry, Jamie Foxx. Let's hope you get redeemed in the upcoming uh, No Way Home.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. I I'm, I'm, I'm hoping as well because I'm sorry that just like for me um like, I I'm sorry. I and
1: I, I want that costume. I, I need that costume. Okay? You have a girl running around in that costume. So it's basically a, it's the same outfit with boobs. And now he's Electro again. So there's the two Electros. There's female Electro who he banged and killed and original Electro who Doc Ock was like doo writer's plot lines. You're Electro again. Yeah. also Electro had a big storyline in the adjective list Spider-Man later on after the return in Revenge of the Sinister Six where he burnt out all his powers and then after the Clone Saga he came back because he had not been seen in quite some time um, and he uses the electric chair to recharge himself and he defeats Spider-Man and then Spider-Man has to team up with Electra speaking of Electra Electra to take down Electro
2: yeah, I remember that. that Do you remember was... that? Yeah. Yeah. And he has—he like, doesn't
1: remember... have the uh, stupid headgear. He just has the bald head because he again he was in the electric chair.
2: Yeah, I remember that, and I and I've, I seem to remember that when I heard about that, I was like, wasn't there like a horror movie that followed that plot? I seem to remember like it was Shocker. a horror movie where it was like an ex Con who gets electrocuted, but then he has like electric powers. Yes, it so was. How...
1: Uh, it was. Um, it was Skinner from the X Files.
2: Yeah. That was totally what it was. I was like,
1: uh, the the Wes like, Craven movie, shocker.
2: Yeah, it was right. It was Wes Craven. Yeah, totally.
1: This but, issue is very quick too to read. By the way, this is not a long dragged out thing or whatever. The interludes with no, Robbie it, it, are very quick.
2: It was a one shot, and I uh, and I liked it. I was like, okay, like this is good. Like okay, this is this is fine. So it also
1: says here in Salkrup's section, uh, not too long ago, our pal Sal Basima started in a regional production in the classic Broadway musical The King and I. Wow, okay. While this was great news to theater lovers everywhere, it unfortunately meant that Mr. Basima wouldn't have time to ink and pencil pages in spectacular Spider-Man. Fortunately, mighty Mike Episito was waiting in the wings and more than willing to fill in for a few issues, thus reuniting the original Peter Parker's spectacular Spider-Man creative team. So never fear, we'll be back to his drawing table inking his own pencils in a few issues. But in the meantime, let's thank Mike for helping us out. That leaves but one question. Tell us, Sal, was it good to be king? next issue due to events transpiring over the Avenger titles the trapster attacks our wonderful web slinger and pits his adhesive X glue gun against Spider-Man's web shooters but wait till you experience the startling metamorphosis of Spider-Man's powers our acts of vengeance tie-ins begin with amazing Spider-Man 326 which we will not be covering because that does not actually have anything to do with the cosmic Spider-Man storyline that's the first of the tie-ins to acts of vengeance Um, And Spider-Man fights Graviton, uh, uh, Avenger villain, and that's pretty much all that happens. It's also drawn by, like, a villain female artist, I want to point out oh nice yeah I actually met her at Boston Comic Con and I had that okay. issue I don't have the information who the artist is in front of me but we'll give it a brief little cover uh, when we come back in a few weeks uh, to start mm-hmm. X of Vengeance but yeah okay. she was like shocked she's like oh yeah that's my Amazing Spider-Man issue it's the only issue with Amazing Spider-Man I ever drew and I'm like would you sign it she's like yep so bam yeah
2: yeah, they love that. They love when you bring them like the super obscure stuff. They're like, "Oh yeah,
1: great. Wow." Yeah. Yeah, like a Louis, I met uh Louise Simonson more than once and people are constantly bringing up you know to her Doomsday Man of Steel or of course Thor um, or you know, ma-, uh, uh, the the steel number no. 1 or amazing uh, not amazing. What's it called? Adventures of Superman number no. 500, the first appearance of Steel which she she was part of creating. And I brought right. up to her um Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 19. It has Mary Jane ripping open her shirt and revealing spider boobs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that sounds like you.
1: Uh, And she signs right over it. And she was like, oh, this issue. I did this with some other female I don't know the name of. And she was like, this was really cool. And this set up a storyline that was used in um, the lead into the the wedding. Did you know? I was like, yes. In fact, I remember. You have Spider-Man fight Alistair Smythe. And Alistair Smythe thinks that Mary Jane is Spider-Man. Because sure,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, because the yep, those are just really exaggerated pecs.
1: Y- yeah, and what was funny is then the amazing issues leading into the wedding that Mephisto destroys. Uh, <laughs> um, he mentions to Mary Jane, Mary Jane Watson. Once I thought you were Spider Man, and he's about the freaking clocker one with the uh, with his mechanical thing, and Spider Man just flips out wrecking Uh, the spider slayer and ripping Smythe out of it by the way Smythe is uh paraplegic at this point due to an accident so he doesn't have the use of his legs this is before he would become like a cyborg and buffed up super looking ponytail guy um Mm -hmm. but spider-man just threatens to make him a quadra like not sorry so he's a quadriplegic spider-man threatens to make him a full you know like you know just full-on paralyzed from the neck down And I'm like, you would never get away with that. Regardless if he's a supervillain serial killer or not, the fact that he is handicapped, there's no way Marvel's editors will let you get away with Spider-Man threatening to make a person a permanent paralyzed person. Agreed. No. But he is—he was about to murder Mary Jane. So I, I, regardless of your handicap, you're a serial killer. You're a serial killer. It doesn't matter if you're what you are, or who you are. You deserve punishment. Exactly. And it's one exactly. of my favorite moments of Spider-Man about to murder somebody or threatening to. There you go. <laughs> uh, but this was a fun issue. Um, I do love the little captions. He's back. Him too. Good stuff. Always love that.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It like I said, it, I was a little bored at times, but. Again, it's still much better. Like, there are worse Spider-Man comics out there. So, you know, it's still entertaining. It's still, you know, it introduced the shocker. Yep. And, uh, you know, it just keeps keeps the story going. And, unfortunately, we'll be done with Robbie in jail. So we don't ever have to deal with that shit. And uh, we can just move on with lives. Or, as we call it, move on the, the path to axis <laughs> of vengeance.
1: Yes, which uh, the main show, Splash Pages... Uh, Leo said that he will cover in one episode what that entire storyline was about. There's a lot of crossover times to it. I I will leave that up to him. But we're going to break it down two issues at a time because there are multiple parts of this thing. And the first one will be Spectacular Spider-Man 158 where Peter gets the cosmic powers for the first time. But in a way that doesn't quite make him Cap the Universe just yet. In fact, we didn't know he was Cap the Universe until the end of the whole thing. Um, I think it's still weird that Venom recently became Captain Universe, but whatever. I guess Marvel needs to do their whole Darkest Night thing, because honestly, it seems like Marvel did their Darkest Night thing with the Null, the Stibio God storyline, and yeah. they needed the white light lantern thing, so they were like, what yeah. do we have? Oh, the Silver is black right now. We can't use him. Oh, Thor. Well, Donny Cates, you know, try that. Sure, I guess they maybe." I just I feel like there was editors behind the scenes that were just like you got to make them like Captain Universe. We got to make Venom just like super marketable in toys and stuff like that.
2: Agreed. Yeah, so
1: we'll get into it. Can't wait to cover Acts of Vengeance and all of its shenanigans and all the villains that show up that are not Spider Man villains. And uh, the first one being the Trapster, so which is someone Spider-Man has fought before too, by the way. The Trapster. Yes. It's so true. we will cover it two issues at a time here on the Spectacular Sal Buscema Era podcast. We'll be back in a few weeks with the beginning of Acts of Vengeance. Where can everyone find you, Drew? uh
2: You can find me. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm Ghost man 1984 on Instagram. um I work, with Chris. I work with uh, Splash Pages, the Dorkening. I'm also a writer for Screen Rant. I work with their hiring department as well. Cool. I am also working with Chris on his project. so I'm very busy. So honestly, if you leave, if you send me a message and I don't respond, it's really not personal. I just I'm very scattered.
1: You can also find me on Radio of Horror, my uh, weekly broadcasting radio show on the dial for the last thirteen and a half years longest-running horror show in New England. And you can also find me on my other comic book show, Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash podcast, where we will have returning guests soon, Tim C to that podcast, as well as coming up on Splash Pages to help us talk about Superman versus Lobo.
2: Yeah. Uh, man himself.
1: Fragging.
2: Fragging. (laughs) Fragging. All right, you you bestieches. Keep it real. We'll talk to y'all later.